In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's George Monty coming at you. Going to pull back the curtain on those of us who are trying to utilize the heavy machinery to spray us down with propaganda and garbage, fake vaccines and fake wars, global warming and... All this other nonsense. I'm going to dig into what I think is happening. I, I think everybody has to admit, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. I don't know exactly what it is, but if you feel like I feel, then you know when you're being lied to. And we're being lied to. Let me start off with a poem here by a John Calhoun Merrill. Technocrats, the story goes, will solve the horrid mess where ethics fail and gadgets work and will bring about success. Just plug it in and hit the key and let the old brain rest. Just what we should or should not do, technology can answer best. But gadgets, they may be the cause of the angst the people feel, for science is cold and does not care about the common weal. Old Kant still whispers his moral laws, but few still hear his voice. All's relative, and there is no truth. Just leave it to personal choice. Computers buzz and wheels go round, and Bentham and Mill are dead. The person's free to do his thing. Morality has all gone to bed. All this freedom and self-esteem, leaving conscious as the guide. The world is fun and is a game with technocracy. By my side. I am the postmodern man, and man means woman too. 
What is the purpose of our lives? There's not the slightest clue. We do our race through cyberspace and compose the digital thunder. Just how technology does for the soul causes me to wonder. I think it's important to just give you a quick remembrance. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Plato's Timaeus where he talks about for everything technology brings us, it takes something away from us. In the case of Timaeus, while there's more than I could possibly summarize in this little rant I got here, I do remember one point where one individual was speaking, I think it was Toth, the Toth, Toth, however you want to say it. He was speaking to his creator about a technology he created, and that creation was writing. And he said, oh, glorious creator, I have created a technology that will help our human friends become wise beyond belief. It is the technology of writing. No more do the people need to remember what it is when they can just turn the pages and, and reread and recategorize and understand what has been passed down from generation to generation. And his creator smiled upon Toth, who was a god at the time, as if he was a baby. And said, oh, Toth, my paragon of invention. It is never wise for the creator of a technology to forecast how that technology will work. You have indeed created a great technology. However, the idea of writing will have the opposite effect of what you think. People will no longer need to work the muscle of memory. They will no longer need to truly understand situations when they can just turn to the experience of another who had written it down. They will lose the true meaning of that experience. And I would argue that's exactly what's happened. That is what technology does. For everything that it gives us, it takes something away. And I would take it one step further. I would take it to the next level and say that for everything technology gives us, it not only takes something away, but it takes something of our humanity away. It takes away our understanding, our fundamental understanding of how we need to treat each other, the planet, that which is important. It takes away all that. And that is where we are now. We are in the midst of a technocratic takeover that you have been seeing playing out since probably the 70s. And we're at a point now where, in my opinion, you know, let's just let's get into some fun conspiracy that may not be conspiracy that is conspiracy. You know, let's talk about the vaccines a little bit. First off, they're not vaccines, right? The defini by definition, a vaccine is something that stops transmission. Not the Johnson & Johnson, not the Moderna, 
Not the Pfizer, not the AstraZeneca, not one of them, not one of them stops transmission. Not one of them. Therefore, they're not vaccines. By definition, that's not my definition. If you look it up, go ahead. I'll wait. Did you do it? Good. Good for you. Challenge me on that. Go ahead. I like that. You know, it's also interesting to think about COVID-19, right? C-O-V-I-D-19. I remember about a year ago, because it's been about a year, that people were saying COVID-19, C-O-V-I-D-19, Certificate of Vaccination ID 2019. Certificate of Vaccination ID 2019. Well, that kind of seemed like a bunch of hooey back then, kind of. I mean, I, I thought it was interesting. But now you look at countries like Israel, where they have COVID passports. Look at New York, COVID passports. You want to travel? You've got to show that you've been vaccinated. COVID vaccinated. Certificate of Vaccination ID 2019. Let me ask you this. What do governments do? They tax people, right? They tax you on everything. They need more money. They need more, specifically more of your money. They don't really need the corporation's money. Well, they need all the money they can get, however, because corporations run governments. It's very difficult for governments to tax corporations. But what they do want is as much money as possible. So they want to tax everything they possibly can. So how would you... How would you begin to regulate and come up with a tax to create the most money? Well, you'd need to tax the most people, right? You could, the United States is pretty big. We are, I think, still the world's biggest economy, with China being number two. But that's still small potatoes. Right? The, the U.S. can bring in you know, billions of dollars tax revenue. Maybe trillions, if you add up all the different taxes. But what if you could tax the world? Right? How would you do that? Well, you could tax the world by trying to figure out a idea that everybody believed in. I know. Do you love the earth? Do you? Because if you don't love the earth, you're a horrible human being. So you should probably pay some money to prove that you love the earth. So that's a good start. So we could tax everybody. If we want to tax everybody on the earth, oh, I know. Why don't we tax the most abundant element on the planet that everybody uses, and they use it for free? How about carbon dioxide? Now you're talking. You know, anybody can go and look up. There was a... Anybody who's read any history understands that when the United States had its policy of manifest destiny, we came to the Indians and we said, or the Native Americans, and we told them, we want to buy this land, and they laughed at us. They said, you can't buy the land. The land belongs to everybody. 
But sure enough, we wrote up these contracts and we just told them, oh, we're going to buy it anyway. And they laughed at us. But guess what? We did it. We bought the land. So why can't you buy the air? Why can't you buy the water? Let's talk about water. I'm from California. You know, Nestle, when I was a young boy, we would go up to Palomar Mountain, go sledding up there. There wasn't, there's not enough snow to ski, but it got snow every winter and you could have big snowball fights and do your sledding and, you know, really enjoy some of that, those particular activities. And along the way, there were these little rest stops or whatever, and there was all these little waterfalls. And, and as I got older, I noticed the roads improved. And there were these new rest stops. And these new rest stops had like kind of hard, hard to explain, but like large kind of disposal sort of access tanks. You know, and it's like, what are these? I remember, I remember driving up there one time and I saw a big a bottled water company truck. So long story longer, Nestle, who is one of the biggest providers of bottled water in California, they gave the state a few billion dollars and said, we would like to take our big bottle water trucks, stick a hose down these, these rest stop access points and suck up the groundwater and then put it in our tank and then take that water down and put it in little bottles and sell it to the people. And California said, sure, no problem. Go ahead, do it. But can you clean up some of the roads? Oh, yeah, yeah we'll fix that. So they essentially bought the water rights from California without even notifying the people. Same thing's happening up towards Lake Michigan. I'll venture to say the same thing's happening around the world. So here's these multinational corporations that come in and they buy the water rights of states because governments and state governments are bankrupt already. They'll take whatever money they can get. So here comes Nestle. They, they buy up the water rights, sucking out all the groundwater. I mean, in... Isn't it interesting that fire seasons in California and on the West Coast tend to be drier and longer and hotter? Maybe that's a direct repercussion of these large corporations sucking water directly, directly from the mountain before it can even get down and irrigate to the fields. Maybe that's why there's a water shortage. Maybe Nestle should have to pay every individual in the state. Maybe Nestle should be held accountable for fire season. Maybe they should at least be audited by the states to see how much water they're taking. But no, no, no. No need for that if you're a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation. That's just one way that the technocratic takeover is happening. You see, now some of you might be thinking, well, George, I, I hear you talking about the multinationals. However, I'm not sure how that ties into the technocratic part of it. Well, it's a good question. And that particular segue comes from the move from nation states 
like the nation of China, the nation of Russia, the nation of India, America, I'm sorry, the United States of America, you know, Brazil, whatever nation, state you want to say. See, these used to be the most powerful entities on the planet. However, if you took the top 100 most powerful economies of our planet today, you would see that 51 of them are multinational corporations. They're competing with the nation states. And so a multinational corporation, while it may not be as dynamic as the United States, it may be more dynamic than an individual state in that nation state. Right? If you look at something like Amazon, who goes into whatever state it wants and says, we will put a business here if you give us money in subsidies. Shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't it be that Amazon pays the state and pays the employees to be there? And so the way we get to technocracy from here is a long-term plan to, I think it's the Rockefeller Operation Lockstep that wants to do away with nation states and governments and politicians. And you know what? I, I can't... Politicians are horrible. Like, what do they do? They don't do anything. They're a bunch of dummies. They weren't always like that, I don't think. And not everyone is like that. However, you know, they spend all their time campaigning, thus they have to constantly raise money. And who has the money but the multinational corporations? So let's get into what could be happening down the line as far as nation states versus city states. It will look like a great booming, buzzing confusion, but an end run around national sovereignty, eroding it piece by piece, will accomplish much more than the old-fashioned frontal assault. Few people would confess that the modern world makes any sense. National governments are dysfunctional. Economic activity defies traditional analysis. Debt levels are simply inconceivable. There is no diplomacy or civility left anywhere in the world. Violence and barbarity are not just limited to Islamic terrorists, but now include radicals, malcontents, white supremacists, and snapped individuals from all walks of life. The Trilateral Commission was co-founded by David Rockefeller and Zubignu Brzezinski in 73, with the stated purpose of creating a new international economic order. Subsequently, elite members from North America, Europe, and Japan gave birth to modern globalization and have literally transformed the entire global economic structure. The Rise of the Global City the world city as an analytical concept was developed in the 1970s and caught on in the 1980s as a new frame within which to grasp globalization. Aloha everyone. 
Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.